You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. For a recent feature here on Once Upon a Turnbuckle, I reached out into various Facebook groups um, of uh, classic wrestling fans for um, fans who would be interested in appearing on the show who may have seen some sort of major events, some, some key angles um, in wrestling history live in person to talk about them. The result was um, episode 13 which um, was codenamed the, the the Facebook fans. It was the second part of my feature. I was there when, and the uh, the three that I included in that episode, the three guys I spoke to, um, all their separate interviews were were so great and so much fun. And besides the the key points that I picked out of the interviews to put into that episode in particular. There was some other great stuff that came up in the, my conversations with him, so I decided that each of them really deserved to uh, to be released um, as an episode in their own right. So, what you'll uh, what you see in this this three part feature is these interviews in full with these guys, and I'm hoping this will become more of a regular thing as well because I realised how much fun it is to to talk to fellow fans. So uh, so here we are, the uh, the Facebook fans uncut feature so uh, so for part two in this feature is my conversation in full with another Canadian uh, Robert Lynch uh, my name is uh, Robert Lynch I'm from Ottawa uh, Ontario Canada and um, actually used to live a number of years my, my family's from Edinburgh so. oh okay cool, cool yeah cool. so we've been back and forth over the years awesome yeah I've never never ventured up that far I'm sort of southwest South and Southwest England, so I'm about as far from nice. as you can get at the minute. But oh, awesome! And you actually, I um, so you're the second second person I'm speaking to for this episode, and okay. you're um, the second Canadian, and actually the first Canadian was the one just before you. Oddly enough, right so on, you're right you're on through. You're coming through. So um, we love our wrestling. <laughs> so in terms of in terms of wrestling, how long have you been a wrestling fan, and sort of when was it that you first kind of discovered it for yourself? Uh, for me, really, it, it goes back to probably Rocky Three, was okay. was the first. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it coincided at the time. I'm 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 44 next month, and um, you know, at that time, VHS home cassettes were 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 in its infancy, mm-hmm. and I just remember um, A Team was really taking off. So Rocky Three became a big thing with Mr. T, yeah, and uh, and of course Thunderlips, Hulk Hogan, 
Sure. And that was kind of my introduction as we were kind of kicking into to the first WrestleMania and, you know, BA from the A-team and Rocky was, was, was going to be in WrestleMania. And that's really what, what set it off for me as, as a kid, as about five or six years old at the time. Brilliant. So how, um, in, in terms of when you, you first saw it live in person, did that come quite soon after you got into it? Or was there the opportunity to see it? Or did you have to wait until sort of later years? <sighs> I was probably about um, seven or eight years old before I saw my first live show. And it, it turned out to be uh, um, what we would now call an indie show. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking in a, in a sort of a, a ho- an ice hockey rink um, in the middle of summer with, you know, a piece of string. Uh, we were, you know, my dad and I were ringside with a piece of string uh, between the wrestlers. <laughs> and, um, you know, looking back, there was a lot of older people that maybe a lot of fans might not know that wrestled uh, like Sweet Daddy Sticky, um, the Wolfman. There was a uh, uh, Big Ben who was actually a guy that wrestled a bear. Ah, oh, I've heard of that. I heard of yeah. And, and little uh, the there was uh, well at the time we called them you know midget wrestlers. Yeah. So Little T was there and Lord Littlebrook and all these guys um, doing their autograph signing. So that was my first live show and then my first WWF show at the time um was was um in a town called oshawa which is just uh due east of toronto about uh maybe 30 40 miles okay okay can you remember who was on that show when you saw it uh i yeah there was andre the giant was was the the main draw um wrestling at that time leaping lanny poffo who became the genius um yeah, yeah, and, and the, the great thing about it was at the end, they had a 14-man battle royal who, you know, obviously Andre won. Yeah. Um, I remember getting the tickets for, I want to say, my it was my eighth or ninth birthday that I got the tickets for that show. Um, and it was a big deal because from where I lived, it was, you know, almost an hour drive to get to, to where, where the card was. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, midweek. <laughs> um, on, on a weeknight. So, so it, was, it, was, it was a big deal, but I just remember Andre, was, it was all about the giant. Yeah. Um, and then from there, my, my hometown, um, you know, maybe once every year or two, we would get house shows um, com- coming through the local, the local arena. Cool. What, sort of, what, sort of era, what sort of years are we talking about? Sort of like sort of mid uh, to late 80s? 80, 85. Through, so my biggest years as a fan would be sort of 84, 85 through to when we went back to, we moved back to Scotland in 92. Um, so, so basically right through the Hulkamania period, but I was always, um, significantly more of a macho man fan. Okay. Growing cool. up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was all about the madness. I, um, <laughs> I, I was, I was sort of inspired or influenced by a member of my family to get into wrestling. And I was kind of, I was really jealous of him for a lot of reasons, but also when it got to like Christmas, he would get all the ultimate warrior stuff and I would be yeah. the Hulk Hogan stuff forced on me. So I was right. kind of, I knew who I preferred, but it was almost like, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make out I'm a Hulk Hogan fan for now because that's obviously what all my stuff says. But sure. the, the Warrior was just that more sort of exciting, I suppose, at the time. You know what? It was weird um, to this day. So I have a lot of friends growing up. You know, where I grew up is about, um, I guess the easiest way to explain it is it's about 60 miles east of Toronto and then about another 40 miles north. Okay. And so it's about an hour and a half drive. And I have so many friends that were at WrestleMania six. And to yeah. this day, it's, I, I, ha, I have refused to watch it <laughs> really? uh, because warrior won the belt. <laughs> <And you laughs> <laughs> Not that I was necessarily the biggest Hogan fan. Um, and of course 
in WrestleMania seven, it was probably the first time, I mean, and I, I probably shouldn't admit this because I guess that I would have been about 12 or 13, but I mean, I cried when uh, Savage lost the retirement match against Warrior and I just could mm. never understand why the Warrior always won. <laughs> I know. And then, I mean, he's, he had those glim, those, those sort of few years, I think, that everyone remembers fondly, but then yeah. sort of everything else around that, he's yeah. not really remembered in the best light. Um, right. right. I, I, I must admit, I probably think when he was in the ring with Savage and people like that, they, Hogan aside, it was, it was the other guys that were making him look as good as he was. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but he got the pops, right? I mean, that's absolutely. at the end of the day, Vince likes the type. He likes the big, you know, the bodybuilders. And, does. Um, you know, we, he was entertaining anyway. Yeah. yeah you, 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 can't, you can't deny that. You, I just, I th- it's probably like I've just been talking with one, one of the other guys. When we get to like 95 and you had Diesel up there, yeah. he, he wasn't the one necessarily that everyone wanted to see up there, but he was the one that Vince wanted up there. But there are other guys that were losing out. I think come the end, Hogan and the Warrior probably were trampling over. Guys that they, they could have given more back then. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I look back to, you know, DiBiase. Like, to mm-hmm. me, still, one of the Million Dollar Man has to be one of the best bad guys. I mean, he wasn't big, yeah. but just such a good heel and he was such good promos, you know? Yeah. I could never imagine him as a face, actually. I remember seeing some sort of territory stuff, NWA stuff before he got to WWF and he was, he was like one of the most popular ones around there. Yeah. It wasn't right. He's one of those you love to hate. So um, sticking with your, your, your live experiences. I know when we've, when we've connected just before or sort of in the run up to planning this, there's a couple of events in particular that you have witnessed live and sort of sticking with this kind of era, sort of the early nineties, there's one in particular I'm really intrigued about. Um, If you want to see you, you were there for one of Paul Barry's first appearances. I was. So my rationale would be that it's, it, it had to be the first, if not the second, um, appearance by Paul Bear after the, the televised taping earlier in the week. Uh, so I guess it was, it was about January 1990, I want to say. And uh, again, in Oshawa, Ontario, um, Saturday afternoon, matinee, and the uh, title card was actually Slaughter as champion against Warrior. Okay. And so it, was a, it was a really big deal because it's like, why is the heavyweight champion, you know, in Oshawa? Like, yeah. it's not like it was Maple Leaf <laughs> Gardens in Toronto, which was the Mecca or Skydome. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I just remember now, you know, Brother Love was the manager. Mm. Um, and, and here in Canada, on Saturdays, there used to be a program called WWF Superstars. Mm-hmm. And so we'd be on maybe like noon or one or 2 PM, uh, depending on the channel. And that's where you would get your weekly. Cause there was no Monday night raw back then. No, no. And so I had set my VCR to, to, to record that episode. And then we went to the show and I just remember, you know, the, the <laughs> I mean, obviously as an adult, now you understand, they just crank the air conditioning for the undertaker's <laughs> entrance. Yeah. You just feel this, this coldness, this cold air coming over you and the music hits. And then here's this, guy (laughs) and you know back in the day i don't even remember ever you know reading pro wrestling illustrated magazine or anything i don't even remember seeing percy pringle so i had no reference to who this paul bear was and i remember my dad laughing because he obviously completely got the joke behind the name yeah yeah and, and, I, and I just look and I'm going like, why, why are you smiling? You know, and, and, and you know, as a 12 or 13 year old being terrified at Undertaker being the yeah. first time I've seen this guy. 
Yeah. Uh, he'd only been on the scene for what, a couple of months Yeah. Uh, from Survivor Series. And, and so the whole arena was just kind of wondering, you know, what happened to Brother Love? Who's this, who's this, this guy? Yeah. And so it wasn't until that night when I got home and I'm watching and, and I'm, you know, I'm telling my friends, you know, who come over, I'm like, that's the guy, that's the guy that was there today. What the heck, when did they tape this? I thought this was the first time he was out. So, so that was it. So I've always had, um, I guess, a soft spot for, yeah. for Paul Bear and, and feeling like I'm in this exclusive club that knew about him before everybody else. That's amazing, really, because you can see that. I mean, when you saw them back then, especially The Undertaker, I suppose, would you, did you get the feel that this guy was going to be something big? I know it's probably a lot to ask considering, you know, how young I mean, you were at the time. It but. was like, I, I was, so back then, um, you know, we had satellite to watch pay-per-views. Mm. And a um, friend of mine, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, always always had the satellite and I would go over and watch the pay-per-views. I mean, on Survivor Series, we knew, like, yeah. this is the next, this is the, this is the baddest guy in the WWF. <laughs> um, it just, it was immediate, right? Mm. Um, and the way he just absolutely demolished everybody and just seemed so unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they did that early part. I mean, I, I do love the character. I love how he's evolved over the years and he's kept relevant even when he was yeah. stepping back. But those early years from like, yeah, when he debuted through to like 92, 93, when he was just literally one speed at you, yeah. there wasn't anything else about him, not very animated, but you stopped and watched. You know, when he became a little bit more human, I thought, <laughs> can, can he really cling on to the undertaker kind of yeah. anymore but um he's definitely stood the test of time it's completely when you go back and you watch him as as me mark only a few months before you don't really get a sense that he was about to become what he became and so and it's it's funny because as a canadian uh prior to about 1992 we didn't really have unless you had satellite tv uh, we didn't have access to like what, what will now we call NWA or, or WCW. Mm. So, um, you know, unless you were a really, really avid reader of the magazines, like I say, Pro Wrestling Illustrated or, or, or whatever, um, Canadians didn't really have a reference point on a lot of these guys that were coming from the territories into WWF mm. or like Mean Mark, who had been in, in you know, NWA. Yeah. Um, and even, for example, when Flair came to WWF in 1991-ish, yeah. um, again, it was kind of like, oh, I've seen him in the magazine and I know he's, he's from the other way, the other place, yeah. um, but we had just no reference. So that was the nice thing back then was if the character came in, we, that was the character. Yeah, he had no so preconception. I only ever knew him. Cool. Can you remember who he was against that night at all? I, I really don't, but it was a jobber. I, I, I just remember it wasn't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't really. I mean, I suppose everyone looked like jobbers to him back in those days. He made Jimmy sure. look like one. WrestleMania, sure. been, and then but... interest. I mean, back then too, right? It, that was the WWF model. Was your main event would be two guys you've actually heard of. Yeah. And then it would be you know, million dollar man against Joe Blow and <laughs> you know, Taker against Chad Curtis or whoever. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and interestingly enough, uh, a lot of local guys would be, would, would fill out the cards and house shows. Cool. That's yeah. I mean, it's, it, even if it's the only time they got that shot, you know, at least they can say I was up there. Yeah. You watch these guys on the, the old weeklies when there were enhancement talents out there. I think they could probably do a lot with them now, but it's all, it, it, even the indie stars where these guys would have been wrestling back then, 
they're stars in their own right now because yeah. of so many of them have got on TV or streaming where everyone knows who they are. So absolutely, absolutely. They can't do it. But, but, um, so moving on, you've, you've also been to another noteworthy event in a, in a bit of a different generation. So I'll be interested yeah. to see sort of how this compares. But um, 2003, you were No Way Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this I wasn't was, uh, one, apart from Hogan and The Rock, this wasn't one yeah. that I can remember completely. So I just had to have a look at the, the lineup just before we started the call, actually. Sure. Not a bad card, really, was it? That was great. It, it was in Montreal. And uh, for me, the, so I was actually teaching English in Portugal during WrestleMania 18, which, again, was in Toronto. And, again, pretty much every friend I had in, in, that went to WrestleMania 6 went to WrestleMania 18. Oh, man. And, uh, and I had been living in Toronto prior to, to moving over to Portugal to, to teach. So I missed, I missed the card. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, even now watching it on replay, I still think it's probably one of the best WrestleManias being the first one after the merger, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, so, so, you know, fast forward 11 months and there was a, there was a card in um, Montreal for No Way Out, uh, Montreal, Canada. So from where we were, it was about a five, five and a half hour drive. And we says, no, we're getting tickets and we're going to go and we're going to spend the weekend and we're going to check it out. Awesome. Uh, followed up with a Coldplay concert uh, the next night. <laughs> okay. Why not? Why not make a weekend of it? Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just, I don't even, I mean, I know I've seen so many interviews with The Rock and Hogan talking about how electrified the, the, the room was in Toronto mm. or the stadium in Toronto, but I'll be honest, it's, um, you know, as a Toronto sports fan, for example, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty laissez-faire crowd. Wow. Um, but the French Canadians, it's, it's almost like, you know, being at an English football match. Oh, okay. It's just wow. insanity and loud and fun. And it's just got a whole European vibe about it. Right. So, so that night, you know, and you've, you've still got, you know, 25,000 fans, half for Rock, half for Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just... It, like it, to the my girlfriend at the time anyway she actually started covering her ears because the cheering was so loud in the building that's amazing yeah that's like, who were you rooting for in that one hogan uh, you know I, as 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 much as i didn't quite i mean yeah of course everybody loved hogan as a kid that grew up with hulkamania but again i was always more you know i kind of liked the bad guys or i definitely liked savage one but mm. um Man, once he turned to Hollywood Hogan in '96, I, like I was, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think he had tremendous guts. I mean, they all did. I think to pull that off. But I mean, sure. he, he really he needed that. Um, Absolutely. To 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 keep. I mean, he was becoming a bit of a laughing stock over there, and all of a sudden, he just reinvented the wheel. You know, in terms of wrestling, so, you know, and to go from the biggest, the biggest hero of the '80s to the biggest villain of the '90s yeah. is quite the accomplishment, right? It's impressive. It's imp- did um, had you seen Hogan before live? That was the first time I got to see him live. Did he did he live up to expectations? Um, I mean, it was fine. It, you know, it, 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 in terms of the wrestling, it, you know, The Rock obviously carried him at that point. Mm. Um, but in terms of just selling it. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing, and you know, there was a whole kerfuffle, and the lights went out, and you know, of course, everybody, because we were, quite frankly, um, it was a Sunday night, and we were kind of in the middle of a, a bit of a, a snowstorm, and the lights go out in the middle of the match, and everybody actually thought the power went out. 
Okay. Not realizing, obviously, that it was a work. Right. And, and of course, this this pandemonium of like, what the heck is going on? And uh, and you've got the lights all, you know, all the, the lighters and the, the whatever going going on, and and um, and just the way they sold it, right? Because Hogan took the match mm. uh, with the with the ref interference from I I want to say it was the introduction of I want to say Rene Dupree who okay. um, had had become one of the that was his first introduction to to a wwf or wwe by that by then crowd right so yeah i mean but but yeah he he, you know he definitely walked out as a as as the bigger villain then going in i i you can't i I don't feel you when he went back to wwf you can't compare him to what he was before because you know obviously time doing what it does um elsewhere on the cards i don't know if anything would live up to that but you've got matches like triple h against scott steiner which I know got panned at the Royal Rumble. Do you really think they needed to do it again? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's funny because for me personally, I mean, I I, I love Big Papa Pump. Okay. Um, I think he was completely and utterly wasted, just a total wasted opportunity uh, after they came. As as is the case with most guys, you know, like uh, you know uh, Bagwell and and and, yeah. and uh, DDP. They're just you know I think it's 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 unfortunate that I think they still had a lot to contribute. Yeah, um, do, you, do you think with what happened the year before or a couple of years before this event with um, WCW going out of business and then WWE just kind of owning the industry come this point? Do you think it, it did more damage or did it did they benefit from having people like Scott Steiner go over? I think if they had played it upright and they played the invasion angle properly, it would have been a lot better. Um, you know, like it started out, I thought pretty good with the radicals when you had, you know, Malenko and, 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 uh, Guerrero and so on when they first, uh, and Benoit when they were the first guys. And, and, um, but yeah, I, I almost wonder if looking back, they just kind of thought that the NWO was going to be this magic bullet. Um, but I think at that point, you know, they had screwed up NWO so badly in the first place over in WCW. Yeah. Just, it just wasn't the same. Um, and you know even by then you didn't have a true i mean by then you know like a proper dx nwo feud right that that could have could have really gone lasted you know properly yeah they teased that didn't they because they 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 teased with dx invading wcw back then that that would have worked if they had got their heads together and you know, thought of the money aspect. I think they really could absolutely, have, really absolutely. Could have and you know, and unfortunately, there's a lot of wasted talent. Like you, so um, I, I was, you know, I used to help out uh, early 2000s. I was very into helping out with indie shows, okay. um, doing some promotions and 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 so on. Helping helping friends that were doing doing stuff. And and you know, looking looking back now, I guess 20 years um go after the merger for example you know we were running house shows in colleges outside of toronto uh with you know disco inferno and conan wow and the iron sheik <laughs> them, but why not yeah sure so, you know signing autographs shouting crap about Hulk, but i mean that was you know that was within months of the merger and, and you're yeah. thinking geez you guys were in wcw six months ago and now we've got you at a college house show with 500 fans yeah um, it's which it, it's it it's good in a way because it, it opens up, it exposes them to so many people who, like myself, we had over in the UK, especially where I am, don't really have a lot float through here, sort of the big names. I got to see people like Jim Duggan and Jeff Jarrett a few years ago because they were yeah. coming through on, on these indie shows. 
so it, it brings them closer to the people who probably not been able to get to the bigger shows when they were up there but Absolutely. Um, do, you, do you think they still give as much when they go to indie as they would have done at the big um uh well <laughs> no. no when they're older no and it's interesting right because you've got the young up-and-comers Mm. So, to, I mean, to your point about Jim Duggan, um, you know, he showed up at one of our shows that I was helping out with in Toronto, just near the airport. Uh, so this would have been about 2004, 2003, 2004 timeframe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as soon as he arrives, the first thing he says is, where are my two by fours? Right. <laughs> he says, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I need the two by fours because I'm going to sign them and sell them. Right. So, because, you know, at the intermission, he's got to make his, so, so here I am running down to, I don't know if you have Home Depot over there, or you know what Home Depot is, but yeah. So, um, yeah. so here I am running during the show to buy two by fours and get them cut so that he can sign them and sell them for $20 at, oh at the intermission. Wow. And uh, Jim Neidhart was at that show um, and he was wrestling Bobby Roode. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and it was cool because I'm sitting there and I'm like looking at Bobby and I'm like, I went to my high school. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he's a year or two older than I am. And, and I was like, no, that guy totally played on the hockey team at my high school. So that's amazing. Yeah. What so it was kind of cool. What was Jim Neidhart like in person? Um, very friendly. Yeah. Very friendly. Very down to earth. Um, he put Bobby over. Um, uh, yeah. Just and, and, and quiet very very quiet just kind of went about his business and, and didn't make too much of a too much of a noise and um you know obviously he he and and duggan were you know yeah. the only people anybody wanted photos with yeah 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 yeah, yeah cool. I, I, it's a when you describe jim nine as quiet you can really see how they come out in their characters because you wouldn't really expect someone to be like that the way he was in the ring but uh sure not enough said about i haven't spoken to enough people who have seen guys like him so yeah. it's really yeah uh, it's really good to sort of hear from yourself or what they were yeah like. and, and and you know when people like um like in when i was at university we did a student show and uh, our star attraction in 1998 uh was jake the snake ah oh, yeah and uh wow that dude was scary at the time right that was like at the, the height of his issues you know issues and um we had a, a pre-event with him and some of the local guys that were going to be fighting on this card um and uh unfortunately jake no showed on the oh, actual he he showed up for the pre-event where yeah. we did you know, paid photos and, and autographs and things like that but for the actual event itself he, he uh for the match he no showed the match and that's really was, uh, we, we sent someone he was still in the hotel just kind of hanging out shame i always <laughs> I, I don't think i appreciated jay roberts enough at the time he's one that i really come to sort of later on um i i started writing I'm, I'm an author on the side or i was um and i was very inspired by talkers like him he gave me yeah. a lot of inspiration for a few kind of dark characters because of his demeanor and i love listening to his promos and, for sure um, it's yeah it's it's a shame how th i mean i'm glad to see he's sort of turned himself around he's back in it again now but yeah. so many years though he could have still been up I mean, there didn't they could have been more right but yeah i mean that, i guess that's life on the road back then before wellness policies and, and yeah uh, definitely you know definitely. chiropractors and physiotherapists <laughs> and they, they sort of paving the way for that now because they're the guys that are like showcasing what what that lifestyle did to them I suppose. for sure for sure so 
just to, so, uh, the, to, to wrap it up a little bit, one um, obvious question, I suppose. So your experiences that you've talked about, firstly, so you've seen a house show in 1990 or 91, and then you've seen a pay-per-view in 2003. How different was it? <laughs> Very obvious question, because I'm pretty sure it would have been, it's two polar opposites, but, but what, what would strike you as sort of the main difference in between, you know, between those two eras? You know what, the, the, I guess, there was definitely more of a mystique, right, in the 80s. Um, and, you know, and, and I, I look back and, and uh, there were characters, right? So, you know, looking at like the junkyard dog and everybody singing and dancing when another one bites the dust, hits the, hits the, 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 the sound system. Um, and, and, you know, seeing the warrior running to their, and, and now I just find whatever, you know, they just all come to the ring. They're all just, yeah. like nobody has, I mean, like, you know, when you look today, um, to me, I still think, and maybe this is the old school guy in me, but I think the fiend is the best character in WWE because he's a character. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you look at everybody else and they just kind of, it's just kind of boring, you know? Um, but even from say the, the early eighties to, to the early two thousands between house shows and, and, and that is, um, the, the entertainment level with respect to everything else, but the story in the ring has improved. Yeah. So, you know, cutting the promos on a big screen, the music, the entertainment, the lights, the sound, um, it's, it's a whole production, right? Whereas before it was just the wrestlers told the story. Yeah. Did it seem like more of us, even though, you know, we all know it wasn't strictly sport, but did it feel like more of a sporting event back then and sort of a theater production now? It, it, that probably sums it up exactly, right? It's uh, you were going there to see, to see the story, to see the guys fight. Yeah. Uh, to see your hero win, to see the bad guy lose, <laughs> or boo if the bad guy won. Yeah. Uh, now it's 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 the whole thing's just spectacle. Yeah, yeah. I um I totally agree with you with the fiend. Um, he's probably the the one character that keeps me vaguely interested in what's going on. I mean, I don't watch it. I haven't done for a while, week in week out. But yep. whenever I see that he's up to something, I mean, he reminds me of of the early undertaker mankind when he first came sure. in and that you know yeah definitely it's uh let's hope they don't screw that one up uh, <laughs> we'll see so. i see the, the nice thing nowadays is thank goodness for 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 pvrs or yeah because <laughs> it's a lot of times i just sit like that you know i can i can get through a three-hour run about 45 minutes yeah you probably <laughs> see all the good stuff so yeah Listen, mate. Thank you so so much for for no offering up your time. This has been great, and I'd be uh, I'd be interested down the line when I'm doing another one of these to uh, yeah. to probably bring you back on and delve into something else sometime. Anytime, anytime. Awesome. Thank you. Right, cheerio. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.